And of course, me, Ari Mizell, and your steadfast co-host, Felix Byrne. Hi, Felix. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Right. I've got my nice fresh coffee here, and I'm very happy. Mm, wonderful. Uh, mm. Well, as you, uh, speaking of coffee, you know, as you saw this weekend, I was using that Japanese, uh, I guess it's like a Japanese cold brew coffee thing, technically. And um, mm-hmm. It's really cool. It's I, I love cold brew coffee, and we, I've talked about this a couple times before, but it's just much less acidic and very smooth and concentrated. Um, so what this is is a very, very fine filter that you put the coffee in, and then you just let the – you fill it up with water, and you let it just sit for you know, 12 hours or as long as you want. I mean, actually, it's the coffee's ready technically in like an hour probably or even less, but uh, the longer you let it sit, the just richer it gets, and it's just so delicious. So. Uh, right so now it was very good yeah i like it yeah so now i want a coffee but anyway (laughs) Uh, so uh let's get the uh the first uh link i want to mention today is called bump sale actually so oh yeah this is uh, this is an interesting uh model for this so basically bump sale you are uh you're, you're selling a digital product whatever it might be and mm-hmm. every sale, the price goes up a dollar automatically. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, explain the uh, the the thinking behind this. Well, it, basically, I mean, you know, so it's creating scarcity. So it's like, oh, you got to get in now before the price goes up. There's a limit, so you, yeah. know, you can say like the price, like you can start the price at twenty bucks and say that it's never going to go over sixty, for example. So the first 40 people mm-hmm. are getting a deal. It's just, it's just another sort of marketing thing. But I think it's actually, it's kind of cool. Uh, and it does reward, obviously. It obviously uh, rewards people for getting in sooner rather than later. That is a really clever idea. Yeah, it's, it's, it is I, clever. Um, it's, uh, I guess it, it, it's going to depend on the product, kind of product that you're selling. But uh, Yeah, well, you know, like an ebook yeah. or an MP3 or a video or something like that. Yeah, right. So <laughs> it's such a cool, I love all these cool ideas. I know up. it's like, and there, you know. there's ones like this where you feel like somebody was just like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if, and then they make, mm-hmm. and then they make it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And I guess it's just like the, um, the system behind it to help it to, to help make, to integrate that into your website, your e-commerce site, basically. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, did you hear about, do you know, or maybe you told us about this, this, uh, this site that's like eBay, but in reverse, so the price is going down? No, I think you told me about it. Wait, what was it called? I can't remember what it's called. Ugh, we, we'll have to put it in the show notes because we will remember. But Is that the one where you have, to, you have to pay like a 10 cents to bid or something? No, I don't oh, think. Okay. I don't know. I think that's because there are a bunch of other sites that have been around like that for a while. But this one, instead of the eBay price starting at the bottom, or the auction price starting from zero, 
this starts from a high price and goes down. Well, that's known as, that's, that's known as a Swiss auction. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So a Swiss auction, basically, the way it works is that it started at a high price and then they come down and down and down and the first person to, do, to go for it gets it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. I see. Okay. Well, I should have known that. Yeah. But no, but, the, but the, the, I, I didn't know this is a site that does that. Yeah. But it's like, and of course, it depends. I guess the biggest difference is the speed that it goes at. And I guess that might be according to the kind of product or price that, that it is. You know, does it happen over a week or does it happen over a day or whatever? You know, uh-huh. the, the speed of the price falling. Anyway, awesome. That's really cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so then the next one is, uh, this is called Z Taylors. And uh, this is from the people uh, that did Men's Warehouse. And basically, it's Uber for tailors. <laughs> so uh, you can mm. get an on-demand tailor to your home or office to, to tailor your stuff. And it, which is very cool. And the million-dollar question is, how much does it cost? Yeah. So I, I think it depends on what you're having done. Basically, okay. or like, you know, if you're, if you're having like a minor operation, they'll do pickups delivery. So like a shirt to, to, to taper a shirt is $20. Oh, so they taper shirts and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, so a pre-existing item. I see. Oh yeah. Okay. No, no, totally. So like pants, for example, if you want to hem your pants, that's $16. Oh really? Yeah. In like New York city or somewhere, obviously. somewhere. Um, so I'm not, you know, men's, men's warehouse is like everywhere. So let me see. Uh, while I'm looking at this, I mean, it's saying it's all over oh, the place. So it's, oh, no. Is it only is, men's warehouse product? No, 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 not at all. But um, it's, it's, no, it's all, it, geez, it's all over the place. It's Arizona, California, D.C., Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Kansas, New York, Pennsylvania, Texas. It's like, mm. it's a lot. Well, they're, they're, they're not out here, but I mean, that's not, that's not surprising. But in the city, so well, that's really cool. You know, because I mean, God, it makes so much difference. It's everything, isn't it? It really, it really does. And yeah. the thing is, is yeah. like, not that I have some amazing fashion sense, but I do know, like, a well-fitting suit really does make a difference in the way you look. Absolutely, that's yeah. It's a big understatement. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I really like that. Well, it's really good to know that they will just have something alterate altered like that. Is it's a very it's a great idea. Yeah. And that they come to you. Yeah. So it actually happens. Yeah. Well, so on that same note, there's a service that I found here called Memory, or I guess mm-hmm. Memory. And this is fascinating to me. So it's five bucks a month and it's a personal stylist for men. Uh, and basically what it is, is you can take a picture of an outfit and send it to your personal stylist and say, like, you know, how's this look? Uh, or you can say, like, I'm going to, uh, a, like, a, a dinner with friends. Oh, this kind of event or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and brilliant. so they'll do hairstyle, skin care, skin care, fitness, uh, clothes, like all those recommendations. And, uh, it's pretty, I think this is pretty cool. I mean, this is, there, there's, yeah. there, this is one of the services that obviously like is meant for people who don't have a significant other, I guess. Yes. Yes, of course. But it's an, itch- I mean, it's a great idea, honestly. And for five bucks a month, it's probably really valuable to just be like, hey, uh, you know, f- to take a picture and be like, oh, no, wait, you cannot wear those shoes with that belt, you know, for whatever. Yes, quite. Yeah. And then you're like, oh. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I, I think, I think uh, it has the potential to help dress we many all know people. Someone, we all know someone who could use this. <laughs> right. Exactly. But really, it should be for men and women, if you ask me. Because I know, I mean, sure, this is a stereotype is men, but hey, I met a few women who, um, you know, who, you know, doesn't come naturally to either. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, 
<laughs> Maybe that's because I'm a musician and I meet musicians. <laughs> it can be like that. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, so, all right. So the next one, uh, I actually, I think you'll like this one too. Uh, Eden. So this is uh, called Eden Tech. And basically this is Uber for, I love that that's like how I can, I can classify everything now. It's Uber for tech help. So uh, you need somebody to set up your printer. You need somebody to install your Nest or f- fix Wi-Fi dead zones in your house. You can contact uh, Eden. Oh, well, I need to... Uh, can I sign up to be one of the... <laughs> oh, become a tech pro. Here we go. It, yes. It, so it's just, Maybe I should try this. Well, it's only in San Francisco now, but I imagine that this kind of thing would expand fairly quickly because it's a really good idea. Yeah. And yes, you should be a tech pro. I should. By the way, okay, just great. so everyone knows, like I am very, very tech savvy, if I do say so myself. But anytime I have a question that I'm stumped on, I don't even hesitate to call Felix. So, well, thank you. Mostly Mac related. Forget Windows for me. So, uh, but yeah. Well, but thank you. I, I don't thank care you. About, you're welcome. But yeah. forget you know, who who wants to use PC. <laughs> well, it's, I, it's funny because we have we, we have a Windows PC to watch TV on, and. Uh, and it's it's a learning curve for for Claire and I. So yeah. So there we go. Well, but anyway, thanks uh, for that. That's that's really cool. I really like the idea of that. You know. Yeah, so, it, it makes a lot of sense. It really does. So mm. um, okay. So the <laughs> the next one is uh, I don't know how to pronounce this necessarily, but I think it's called Pahoj or Pahoj Pahoj something. Okay. So this is a child bike seat and stroller in one. Huh. So it's very futuristic looking. Uh, this is the reason I came across this is that we've been looking at different ways of of carrying the kids on the bike recently because since we'll be moving to, mo- since we'll be moving to Brooklyn next year, uh, we, we will be biking probably more. I will at least. And as you know, as you saw when you came over this weekend, I was riding around on the bike with the kids in the trailer. This is uh, mm-hmm. this is interesting. So it looks like a really sleek, futuristic uh, bike seat that you might see on the back of a, of a regular bike, except that this one pops off and wheels pop out of it, basically, and it's a, a, a mini stroller. Wow, that does look really cool. Yeah. I, the as, the as far only as, thing, I do notice that she's leaning over a bit. It's pretty, it's it. pretty upright, but, uh, it's, and, it's, uh, and it's very yeah. short. Right. Yes, it's very short. Yeah. But it's a very cool idea. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the kids so. would probably like it. So, yeah. I would think cool. so. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. Um, okay, so then the next one is, uh, this is an article on Time Magazine again. It's, th- this is really cool. It's too bad we're recording this on June 29th now, but, it's, but I, I imagine we have a, a, at least a week of Lila Way. It says that uh, six, it's six foods that taste better in June than they will all year. Mm. So we got yeah. strawberries, asparagus, peas, peaches, beets, and garlic. Well, I just got a big thing of peaches from Costco. And boy, I don't normally buy, <laughs> we don't normally buy big, you know, large amounts of fruit from Costco because they tend not to be so great. But boy, these are amazing. So, yes, I concur with that one. <laughs> Well, that good. <laughs> uh, I, I it, it's it's a, I mean, it, it's just nice. And by the way, yes, yeah, so we're recording this at the very end of June, but I, I imagine you probably have about a week or so of leeway at least to still get in on these delicious fruits and vegetables. So yeah, uh, absolutely. And then the last article I have is from Mercola, 
and it's entitled Want Better Bowel Movements? Squat, Don't Sit. And um, I, I, have, I have to agree. I'm sorry. This is like one of those topics that I think is really important. Uh, if, you, if you go to the article, you can see a, a very uh, sort of nebulous illustration of why squatting is better for you than sitting and the effect that it has on your, on your, the, the sort of your, your inside biology. But I can tell you that I'm not the only person that thinks this, and there's actually a thing called the squatty potty that you can buy that goes on your to- under your toilet and, and raise your legs up to a more neutral position. If you look at a lot of like ancestral kind of things and ancestral kind of cultures, people tend to squat like in the you know in the woods or wherever to poop. Well, I think I think it's also because it makes for a much simpler plumbing system to have a hole in the ground. I mean, when we went hol- on holiday in um, in France growing up, um, you know, when I was like six, uh, every campsite and actually a lot of restaurants and most public places had just the just a hole in the ground. Basically, I mean, it's a you know, it's a there's a system there, and it would flush, but it's actually that's what it was. So we, yeah, exactly. the first thing we'd do when we went to a campsite is to run and see if the bathrooms had had a an, a sit down option, or exactly. whether we were going to have to so, um, squat. Go on, sorry. No, 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 that's right. So um, anyway, it's just I think it's you know if you're ever having a little trouble, I would I would recommend trying it. Now, when I do it, I'll usually actually just stand right on the toilet seat. Uh, which requires a little bit of balance, but it works like a charm. So, um, yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that. It's worth knowing. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, you have anything, Felix? Oh, not for this episode, I don't think. No. But, you know, I can say I forgot to put my glasses on just now, and my, gla- my eyes are hurting, so I'm putting them oh, back okay. on. Yeah, the screen uh, anti-glare glasses they got featured in the last episode. Check it out. All right, cool. Either I think I think we're losing reception, but yeah, yeah, we're cutting out a little bit. So thank, we'll wrap up. Thank here. goodness we're using Ringer. Exactly, because no one's going to be fine. No one's going to hear that on either side. So it would just sound like we're talking to each other, and it's awkward. Yes, exactly. It's, it's just that we're the way we're hearing it. It's cutting out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So thank, cool. shout out to Ringer and uh, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, and have a, a great rest of your week. And we will see you next week. See you then. Thanks a lot. The Less Doing Podcast pulls together the top experts in the industry to help you optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life so you can start doing the things you really want to do again. What would you do if you could only work an hour a day? Would you crumble or would you thrive? When I was sick with Crohn's disease, I was faced with that reality because there were days when I literally couldn't eke out more than an hour of work a day. And I had to figure out ways to not only get everything done, but get more done than I was doing before. And that is how Less Doing was born. Less Doing is about you. It's the easiest way to learn and implement a huge amount of productivity tips into your life in a short amount of time. Whether you're a crazy busy business owner, a tired executive in a large company, or a stressed out soccer mom, we've brought it all together for you to help you overcome the overwhelm in your life. For the latest how-tos and actual tips on becoming more productive, sign up for my newsletter over at lessdoing.com. But I want to offer you all something more. As listeners of this podcast, I want to give you the opportunity to get on the phone with one of my Less Doing certified coaches. I've trained each one of them myself, and they really know what they're doing. The first call is completely free, and you will get some real advice and tips on how you can be more productive in your life and get back 
to making things easier again. Thanks for listening, and now enjoy the interview. So now I'm speaking with Stu McLaren, who we're going to get into what uh, his title should be because he's done so many different things. And uh, Stu and I met for the first time at the Mastermind Talks in Napa just about a month and a half ago or so. And But well, without realizing it, Stu's basically touched my life before that because Stu, among many other things, was the creator of Wishlist Member, which is the most popular plugin for WordPress to create member sites. And again, so much more. So Stu, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, it's going to be fun. Yeah, so how, you know, without making you just repeat yourself, and I mean, no one on the, the podcast has heard this, but I heard you give a great talk at the Mastermind Talks. In fact, in fact you, you won the talks, right? So uh, <laughs> congratulations on that. And thanks. you told this story about your first online sale, which I really, really moved me. And I think that a lot of people can resonate with. So if you wouldn't mind, could we start there? Yeah, well, back in 2004, I was working as an operations manager for a seminar company. And we were putting on a seminar every single month. And it was the same seminar, uh, just a different audience. And so every month, the same speakers were coming and they were delivering the same presentations. And now this is 2004. So this is fairly early in, you know, internet years, if you will, in terms of people being able to use the internet to drive business and, and make sales online. And there were two speakers in particular who every month were talking about how to generate money using the internet. And I was fascinated. I was like completely zoned in to what they were saying. And, you know, after several months of hearing them teach the same thing over and over again, I decided, okay, this is it. I'm going to do this. I am going to create my first product and make my first sale online. And so I did. And they recommended creating uh, digital products. And so I created an ebook. Now, one of the things that I was passionate about was Halloween. And I was an <laughs> idea guy. So, you know, why were um, you passionate about Halloween? I just love that holiday, man. It's <laughs> just like a fun, creative time to, you know, um, let the creative juices flow. So, fair enough. Um, yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to create an ebook called Ideas for Halloween. Now, the problem, Ari, was that I created it um, literally like a month before Halloween. <laughs> so, you know, um, wasn't the smartest move. You know, I probably should have created it much, much earlier. But anyway, I invested the time, I invested the money and the energy to creating this ebook. And I hired a designer to help me design it, make it look nice. I hired a, a ghostwriter to help me flush out some of my ideas. And um, I hired, uh, you know, um, people to help me get things set up. And then I was struggled through the process of figuring out all the online stuff, like the website and the merchant account and the shopping cart and the autoresponders, which back in 2004, again, was nowhere near as user-friendly as it is now, but I got it. I finally figured it all out, got it ready to launch. And I went live a week before Halloween. And then <laughs> nothing happened. And there was like crickets, you know, no, no sales, no, nothing was happening. But I remembered in the seminar, they talked about uh, the importance of buying ads, uh, and particularly from Google AdWords. So I started investing, I started buying ads, and I was driving traffic every day from Google AdWords. And every day I'd come into the office and I'd check, you know, how to make a sale? No. How to make a sale? No. And my brother-in-law at the time, he was working with me and he was vicariously living through me. So he would come in and he would ask, have you made a sale? No. 
Have you made a sale? No. But the, here's the thing, Ari. My number one strength on the Strengths Finders test is positivity. So every day, despite not making a sale, I kept telling him, I'm like, Jack, relax. It's a numbers game. You know, it's, <laughs> I just need to spend more in order to generate more traffic. So lo and behold, I still hadn't made any sales after several days. And then it was time for a new, another seminar. So we flew to LA and I landed. And my now wife, my girlfriend at the time and I, we quickly went upstairs. Uh, I said, listen, we got to get up. Um, I got to check my stats. Like some <laughs> miracle, you know, was going to happen on this flight to LA. But anyway, we get upstairs and I plug in and I'm, I go online and boom, there it was, Ari. $7.95. I was like the happiest man on earth. That was my first sale. I jumped up. I was high-fiving Amy. And then I said to her, I'm like, babies, you got to grab a picture of this. Like, this is history. Like, this is, I, I envisioned, or this is the crazy thing. I remember specifically telling her, I'm like, when Inc. Magazine wants a cover picture, this is going to be it because this is the story. This is the first sale that is going to start it all. So we took the pictures and everything was, um, I was just flying high as a kite. Now, here's the, the humbling moment of that story. Amy then asked me, she's like, man, this is awesome. You know, congratulations. Uh, and she said, how much was it again? And I said, $7.95. And she's like, oh, like as if to say like, you know, and not knowingly, but she was kind of insinuating like, that's really not that much. Like, why are you getting so excited? <laughs> but I said to her, I'm like, listen, I'm like, this now that we've made the first sale it's validation i mean it's great it, yeah it's validation now I, now i've done this once i can do this you know a million times over i'm like this is we're on our way and she said well wait a minute she said how much did you spend to make this seven dollars and 95 cents and i said well well don't worry about that i mean like it's just it's you know it's it's a numbers game now man i just got to tweak the numbers and she said how much did you spend and I said, well, I spent over $900 on ads to make a $7.95 sale. <laughs> and I'm like, but don't worry about that. I'm like, baby, it's, just, it's a tweaking process from here on out. And so here's the good news. That really was the thing that just like set me up. You know, it gave me the confidence that I could do this. And, you know, I've gone on to make millions online, generate millions of dollars of sales. But it all started with that first one. Now, here's the crazy part of the story. Fast forward a few years and we're at our wedding. My wife and I are at the wedding and my brother-in-law is retelling this story of me, you know, working and trying to figure out this online stuff and, and trying to get and sell this product. And he's telling the audience, you know, everybody at the wedding, how every day he would come in and he would ask, have you made a sale? No. Have you made a sale? No. And he said, you know, after a while, I just got so depressed hearing him say no that when they left to go on that trip, to go to that seminar, I just asked my girlfriend who Stu didn't know if she could just buy the dang product. <laughs> and I'll never forget Ari. Like when he said, when he said those words, I, I remember looking to him, I turned to the right and my jaw just dropped. And then it was like tears just started flowing down my uh, face. And like, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Like I am telling too. You, because he didn't know, he had no idea the impact that that one generous act, you know, would have. I mean, he probably thought it was hilarious, right? Like he thought it was more of a joke, but like that one act, it instilled so much in me. Like I was saying, like the confidence that I could do this and, and what's happened as a result of that, you know, we've, I've 
gone on to generate millions of dollars, build companies. My wife and I have a charity. We're building schools all over Africa. That's all funded, you know, through these online efforts. And so much has happened all because of that one sale. And so it's just a great reminder that we all start somewhere. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that that one sale will lead to, to many more. Um, and that's the story of my first sale, $7.95 of an ebook called Ideas for Halloween. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's such an amazing and important story. And I'm thank you for retelling it because first of all, I, I mean, it's just, there's so many things that I can say, like that when somebody says, you know, like one sale doesn't make it, or like the small little things don't make a big difference. And I mean, it, it does. And that's huge. And you, 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 you could have been totally sidetracked or, or just knocked down if that hadn't happened. Yeah. Well, I would have given up, you know, I would have said, oh, this online thing's a sham. You know, nobody's, Nobody's making money except for people who are selling how to make money. And I would have said, ah, it doesn't work. You know, it's, it's not for me. And, and I would have given up. But the thing is, is that it did work. You know, that uh, helped me see the light that it was possible. It helped me then start to have a bigger vision of what could be. You know, and I live in a very small town. You know, we just recently moved to a bigger town. But up to that point, I, you know, I lived in a very small town out in the middle of nowhere. You know, I lived in a agricultural community. That's where I grew up. And so everybody around me was used to like working on the farms or, you know, doing manual labor and so forth. So the fact that I was able to then from that point, build a business that allowed me to have the freedom to work where I wanted to work as long as I had an internet connection. And then the profit margins, you know, with the online stuff are so much greater than practically any business that you could ever get into. So it was just, it was a true blessing and uh, an amazing gift. And I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. Well, so uh, what, how, I mean, first of all, how, how did, did that product end up selling a lot more? Or did you just move on to other things? No. Um, the fact of the matter is <laughs> because literally after that sale, um, Halloween was like the next night. And so nobody's going to buy it after Halloween. And so um, it was a bad time to sell a Halloween book like one week before Halloween. So that's there's a lesson in and of itself. For anybody <laughs> never sell a seasonal product or start selling a seasonal product one week before the season's in, over in the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, what what ended up happening was I uh, started uh, that that was the beginning. And I started uh, developing other digital products and services. And then that led me to uh creating my wanting to create my own membership site. And at the time, this was 2008. So that was fast forward a few years, 2008. There wasn't a really a solution that allowed me to do that easily. And I was frustrated and I was moaning and groaning to my co-founder, who was a friend of mine, Tracy. And I just said, man, it's like, it ticks me off that it's so difficult for uh, me to be able to set up a membership site on WordPress without having to hire like a web developer. And he said, well, what would you, what would you do? And I started like spewing off all these different ideas of how I would develop something. And he said, well, why don't you just create it? And I'm like, dude, I'm not a developer. Like I, I can't create this stuff. And he's like, well, I have a guy that works with me who's really talented, a really good developer. Why don't you jump into Photoshop and hack some things together? And Mike uh, can code it and develop it and we'll partner together. And I thought, okay, so we did. <laughs> And, uh, and that was the beginning of what ultimately became a wishlist member. And, and then that whole business kind of took off. And that's where my focus uh, was from that point forward. 
Yeah, and that's another incredible thing too. Is that I mean, that's like the classic entrepreneur story where there's a you see a problem and you create a solution. But it, in this instance, particularly too, where you didn't really have the expertise at all to to be able to do this. So I mean, how, that iteration that you drew or that you created in Photoshop of of wishlist member, how close was that to what it ended up being like the first first actual usable version? Almost identical. Yeah, and uh, it was crazy because like. You know, it's it's difficult, I think, sometimes as entrepreneurs, when you have an idea, like actually turning that into something tangible. And especially like with my mindset at the time, I was not a developer. Not, I'm still not a developer. And so even thinking through like the logistics of everything, uh, you know, I, I, could, I could feel myself, you know, saying, oh, I can't do it this way. I can't do it that way. But when Tracy said, just go into Photoshop and just design what you want. Then it, um, I mean, I'm not a designer by trade. I'm like a Photoshop hack. So, you know, I kind of pieced things together and, and kind of said, okay, this is kind of how I want it to, you know, look and how I think it, it should work and how um, it would make my life easier. And ultimately what I was doing, Ari, is I was just designing a solution for myself. Right. And, and then, and what happened was Mike took that and then, you know, built it. And it was amazing. Like what a feeling to see like a creation come together. And of course, after, you know, we iterated and made it better and hired much better designers than I ever will be or could be. Um, and they just improved it. But um, yeah, the first version was was almost identical to what I created in Photoshop. I mean, and that's amazing too, honestly, because you, I mean, it's one thing to see the problem, but the, creating a membership site is not just like a natural thing that somebody would do. You know, you have to really kind of have some forward thinking aspects to your brain to be able to see like what might be needed and what would make sense. So that's really cool in itself. And then, and, and then you sold out of it, right? Yeah. So what, um, hang on, I just want to camp there for one second. Yeah. I think there's an important lesson there for everybody. And that is that, um, whenever you're designing a product that is going to fulfill your needs, just focus on, you know, what would make it super awesome for you, you know? And so that's what I was doing. And that's the starting point. That doesn't ultimately mean that's where it's always going to end, but that's, what's going to help you get the most traction as quickly as possible. And I say that because, you know, I'm starting another software company with my brother-in-law right now. And we're in that mode, you know, we're in that creation mode. And it really folk, it really forces us to focus on, okay, what's the most immediate need and, and how can we use it for our internal purposes first? And, uh, and that's where we're starting. Now, ultimately, yeah, um, we grew that company. Uh, when I left uh, in the fall of 2014, it was powering over 58,000 online communities and membership sites. And then I, uh, I decided to sell it, uh, my stake in it, because um, one night I, was, I went to a, a summer camp for families. So I'm at this summer camp and I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Um, I'm with my wife and my daughter in this little cabin and it's pouring down rain. And it's about two in the morning. And I, for whatever reason, I woke up and I couldn't get back to sleep. You know, the rain is just pelting on the roof and I can't turn on any lights because my wife is right beside me. My daughter is in a bunk bed, you know, just like two feet from me. So if I turn on lights, I'd wake them up. I can't go outside. It's pouring rain. So I'm just lying there in darkness with my thoughts. Now, Ari, that's a dangerous place to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just prior to going to that camp, I had read two books. One was um, the... Uh, Essentialism by uh, Greg McEwen. McEwen. Yep. And then the other book was The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. And both books 
really force you to think about what's essential in your life. And, you know, um, it, uh, they force you to um, just get real clear on, you know, what's important. And I remember lying there thinking through and, and I was remembering some of the things that uh, they had said in the book. And there was one particular exercise in the book, Essentialism, that Greg outlined. And he said, whenever you're looking at different opportunities, what you need to first get clear on is, you know, what is your, basically, how are you going to rank those opportunities? And so you had to figure out, like, what is your criterion for ranking each of the opportunities? And so I got clear on mine. My number one criterion is decreasing stress. So I don't, you know, if there's an opportunity that lands on my desk that where I could make $500 million in the next five years, but it was going to be super stressful that I would pass on it. And a lot of people would be like, what are you insane? But for me, my number one criterion is low stress. I just, you know, I want to minimize stress in my life. So that's number one. Number two for me is impact. And I mentioned my wife and I, we have our own charity and we build schools over in Kenya. That's really near and dear to my heart. Like having lasting impact far beyond my work. Um, That's, that's my number two criterion. And number three is profitability. So like, I've had friends who have invested in restaurants and have said, Hey, Stu, you know, would you want to invest in restaurants? No, I wouldn't because the profitability, profit margins are so slim. I'm spoiled. You know, I'm in uh, information and software. Profit margins are really nice and juicy. And so that's where I, that's where I stay. So when I'm looking at opportunities, low stress, um, high impact and high profitability. So then I started looking at like all the things that I was currently doing, including the wish list business. And Greg said, rank everything from one to 10. And he said, anything less than a nine or a 10, don't even think about it, just eliminate it. And he said, for entrepreneurs, it's really difficult to do that because we get stuck in the sixes and the sevens and the eights, and we hang on to those things, but those things just consume mental bandwidth. And they don't allow us to focus on the very few things that are really going to light us up and really going to serve our lives. And so I'm lying there and I'm thinking, okay, well, where does wish list rank on a scale of one to 10 using those three criterions, low stress, high impact, high profitability. And it came out to the worst possible number it could have been, which was an eight. (laughs) And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, it's an eight. But I mean, if I just do this, I mean, it'll be a nine. Or if we just tweak this, it'll be a nine. And I'm trying to justify it in my head. And then I stopped myself. I'm like, Stu, what is it right now? It's an eight. So it's got to go. And so my wife, um, she woke up in the morning and I said, honey, I, I think I've made a big decision. <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, what is it? <laughs> and I said, uh, I, I think I'm going to sell my shares in Wishlist. And she said, really? She's like, okay, well, tell me why. Now, to give this some context, I mean, Wishlist was the, you know, that was the, our prime uh, income uh, for our family and so forth. But, you know, she just calmly said, okay, well, tell me why. And so I explained to her and, you know, what I was really looking for was I realized there was some other opportunities that had come my way that would allow me to be able to pursue things uh, on a bigger level that I really wanted to go after. And I needed to create space for those things. And, you know, Wishlist, it's an amazing business. I love the business. I love my business partners. I loved our team. I love the product. Um, but Ultimately, um, I it was it was an eight, and so I explained this to her, and she, cool as a cucumber, said, "Okay." She said, "I love you, and I believe in you, and let's do it." 
And so that kind of set the stage for, for selling my shares in Wishlist. And now the new project is Rhino Support? No, because in that deal was uh, Rhino Support. So, oh. um, yeah. So Wishlist and Rhino, uh, which was another software company that we had developed that was all rolled into that same deal. So that um, I sold that. And then, um, so my focus now, as a result of doing a lot of work with uh, membership site owners with Wishlist, I mean, I had the privilege of being able to interact with thousands of membership site owners. One of the things that um, I started to see were common traits that successful membership site owners were uh, using in their sites. And I could see the distinction between those that weren't having the same kind of success. So, but there was this huge gap, Ari, like the, the, the vast majority of people were not having the kind of success that they had hoped with membership sites. And then there was a huge gap. And then there would be this group of people on the far other side who were having tremendous success, like multiple six and seven figure a year membership sites. And so I started looking at what are the common traits of those people. And I really wanted to be able to take all that I had learned about membership sites and apply it uh, to one particular site. And so to make a long story short, um, a few years prior to actually exiting Wishlist, I had started working with New York Times bestselling author, Michael Hyatt. And he was a guy that had a big following, but he didn't have a way to monetize that following. And so we partnered together and we developed a membership site called Platform University. And this was like my playground. This was my opportunity to apply everything that I had learned about building a successful membership site and just go full tilt from the ground up. And so in 14 months, we had got that to a seven-figure a year membership site. And we went, uh, in the first year, we had 2,500 members at $30 a month. Then second year, we're at 4,500 members. We just finished our last promotion. Uh, we topped the scales of 6,300 members. By the end of this year, we'll finish between nine and 10,000 members. And so it's just been an awesome playground for me to apply everything that I learned about membership sites and, uh, and grow that. So I was really, I was excited about that. I was passionate about that. I love uh, Michael and his message. And, um, and so that's a big part of my life is the projects I have with Michael. So that's 30%. 20% um, goes into coaching and consulting. You know, a lot of people uh, wanted to tap that knowledge of how do we sell membership sites and courses? You know, with Michael, we did another course called um, uh, Five Days to Your Best Year Ever, uh, bestyearever.me. And, you know, we did a seven-figure launch just very recently. And so we sell both courses, we sell both membership sites, and people wanted to know how we were doing that. And so I get a lot of requests for coaching and consulting to help people on that side of things. That consumes 20% of my time. And then the other 50% is a new project that I'm working on with my brother-in-law, and we're scheduled to release that in a few months. So I can't give all the nitty-gritty details on that, but uh, um, it's a new software company. I'm super stoked. And as I keep uh, telling people, this one is my retirement plan. So <laughs> I'm going all in on this one. Well, yeah, I can't wait to hear about that. Um, and could you share maybe one or two of those things that, that are really important for a successful membership site for people? Yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things. I mean, um, I, number I'm one, sure, but I don't, I don't want to take advantage of your, your knowledge. <laughs> yeah, no, no, take advantage of it. That's what we're here for. So, um, basically the first, very first thing that I would say a lot of people miss is that they're just not real clear on the needs that they're trying to serve for their audience. So they think they know, and so they create content around what they think their audience wants, 
but what their audience wants is actually something totally different. And so my first advice is just get real clear on what it is that your audience actually wants and what are their needs? What are their challenges? What are their struggles? What keeps them up at night? And how can you help them get a quick win? And um, if you do that and you focus your content around that, uh, you're setting yourself up for success. Second thing I would say is that be mindful of the way you create content. So a lot of people get stuck on the content treadmill where they're just like, they're feeling this anxiety around having to create content for the membership site month in and month out. And it's not something that they begin to enjoy. It's something that they actually uh, don't look forward to. They want to avoid it. Well, the way that you get around that is you batch create content. So you make sure you set up your content structure in such a way that it allows you to batch create content. So to give you some context, with Michael's site, we create the lion's share of content in over a six-day period. So we create a year's worth of content in six days. How do we do that? We schedule three two-day video shoots. And in those two days, we are just bam, 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 bam. We create all these different segments. And, um, and that's, that creates enough content that'll last us for the 12 months. So to give you some perspective, you know, we, we already have content scheduled for 14 months ahead of us right now. And so it's, it just becomes a, a situation where we're so far ahead that uh, we're constantly like, you know, way ahead of the schedule and the stress and the anxiety is just not there because uh, we don't have timelines beating us up. So the lesson is create content that allows you where you can batch create it. It's not time dependent. And then speaking of content, the way that I recommend people structure that is uh, a big mistake people make is they, they provide too much content. And what happens is your members get overwhelmed. And then when they get overwhelmed, they're like a deer in headlights and the probability of them canceling goes sky high. So you don't, uh, value doesn't come in the amount of content you provide. Value comes in the content that you do provide actually getting people the results that they're looking for. And so less is better, especially if it gets them the results. And so I typically structure a membership site I'll focus on one piece of content per week, one primary piece of content per week. And so if you think of what um, I just outlined in terms of the way we create content, we have four main segments. And so that basically means we need 48 pieces of content per year. Well, two of those, or sorry, three of those um, segments, uh, so 36 pieces of content is all batchable. So we can create that way in advance. There's only one segment that is dependent on a live component, and that's a live Q&A call. And so that happens once every month. Um, but the rest of the content can all be created ahead of time. And, so those are some tips. I, I mean, and that totally makes sense to me, but at the same time, it's something I struggle with where it's like, uh, even when I did this with my podcast, there were times, I mean, I still do it to an extent. I'm usually two weeks ahead on my podcast, but at one point I was almost six weeks ahead. And I felt like it was hard to to maintain the relevancy in my head, at least. I mean, that could have been a totally inward perception. But if you're doing it a year out, you know, that, that, that I mean, that takes a lot of planning. Yeah, it takes, uh, and that's precisely it. It takes a lot of planning. Um, I think that uh, people avoid that. And when you, when you aren't planning, what happens, Ari, is that your everything becomes reactive, including your marketing. And so a lot of membership site owners, they struggle because they're not marketing their membership site 
And if they are, they're marketing it the same way month in and month out. Yeah. And those marketing messages begin to become stale for your audience. And that message falls on deaf ears and you just don't get the response. But when you plan way out and ahead, then you can back out of that and you can say, okay, all this new content is coming up. How can we create a marketing campaign around this new content? And so every time you're marketing, it's fresh and it's exciting and it's new. And that's what's going to draw people in. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. So, uh, well, all right. The, the last question that I always like to ask on these interviews, and you already given a lot of really good advice, but you can interpret this however you like. What are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? Good question. Okay. Top three to be more effective. Okay. Number one, I would say get clear on what matters most. So you're a great uh, example of this, Ari. You know, like when you had your health challenges, it forced you to get real clear on what matters most, right? And then as a result of that, look at what's happened in your life. You know, like the business has evolved and and, well, essentially you created this business as a result of that. And so I think when you get clear on what matters most, then you can begin organizing your life around those things. You know, so for me, like family is is critical. That's like my number one thing. And so, you know, I always want to have time and make time for my family. So I'm very regimented in my schedule, my daily schedule, uh, my weekly schedule and all that kind of stuff. So everything falls, uh, you know, around the things that I'm doing with my family, because that's what matters most to me. Um, stress, as I mentioned, you know, keeping stress low, that's a high priority for me. So I do everything I can to minimize stress. If I'm feeling stressed in some regard, then I'm going to look to, uh, solve that and eliminate that or delete that or whatever it is. Um, I'm going to look, uh, to solve that. So a, a good example, you know, my wife and I, um, as we have been making money, uh, with our online business, we've been investing in real estate offline. And, you know, Amy has always wanted to do that. And I've been a full supporter of it. But the thing I said to Amy was, I don't want to be managing the properties. Like if I'm dealing with all of the headaches of tenants and all that kind of stuff, I said, that's just going to stress me out. And she said, no problem. I'll deal with that. Got it. So we, our first investment, we uh, invested in this um, two apartment um, building and she was dealing with, you know, all the tenants and all that kind of stuff. And then what happened, Ari, was at night, we were laying there in bed and she was bringing up like conversations. Well, what do you think we should do with this person? And how do you think we should handle that? And after a while I said, Ames, I said, this is the exact thing I didn't want to have happen. I don't want to be going to bed every night talking about these rental properties. I'm like, we got to eliminate this stress. And so we did, we hired a property manager and boom, headaches gone for 10% of the monthly rent. It is the best 10% I am spending every month because I don't deal with any of that stuff. And so that's an example. So get clear on what matters most is number one. Uh, number two is then create and design your life around what you know, matters most. You know, so if family's most important to you, you got to put, you got to um, identify what those big rocks are, and then you got to build your life around those big rocks. So you know, a, a good example. My wife gave me a reality check recently. She's like, "Listen, we haven't had a vacation that wasn't you know on the back end of a business trip or a charity trip for a while." She's like. We need to start planning out 2016. And so we're already in the midst of, you know, planning our entire 2016 year. So we get the big rocks in, you know, we want to carve out this week for that. We want to carve out these two weeks for this. And 
and so forth. So get clear on what matters most and then schedule your life around what matters most would be number two. And then I would say probably number three, uh, Ari, in my opinion, is um, just be generous, you know, just be generous with who you are, what you do. Um, I'm a big believer in uh, using entrepreneurship to have impact. You know, we, as I mentioned, we build these schools over in Kenya and the aha for me was, I remember standing in this field in Africa and this was a place we were looking to build a school in. You know, it's this wide open field out in the middle of nowhere. And the only thing that's there are these little like mud huts that are made out of like sticks and mud and of this little community. And I'm talking to the chief of the community and I'm talking numbers. I'm trying to find out, okay, what is it going to cost to build a school and what is it going to cost to fund the, uh, the ongoing um, uh, development of that school and so forth? And I asked him, I said, how much does it cost to fund a full-time teacher? And he said, it's about $100 a month. And at the time, when we were selling Wishlist member, we were selling a single site license for $100, And I made this connection. I was like, oh my goodness, like if I make one more sale a month and I just donate that to funding the full-time salary of a teacher, I can fund a full-time salary of a teacher who then is going to impact literally hundreds of lives. And I was thinking, golly, what an opportunity that is. And so right there and then I made the connection. The more money I make, the more impact I can have. And that is what has made me so hungry as an entrepreneur. Like now, I used to feel guilty about making a lot of money. Now, I have zero qualms about it because I know the more money I make, the more impact I can have. And so now I'm out to make as much money as I can, because when we do, as entrepreneurs, we become a steward of that money. We can direct it any which way we want. You can use it for your own purposes, and that's totally fine. You've earned it. Uh, But you can also, if you wanted to, you can steer it toward other things that you're passionate about, like causes, groups, friends, family, whatever it may be. And I think that that is just a huge opportunity for us as entrepreneurs to be generous, you know, to change um, uh, the way we live our lives, to leave a legacy. Uh, It's just a huge opportunity. So number one, uh, get clear on what matters most. Number two, schedule your life around what matters most. And number three, be generous. Yeah, and those are absolutely wonderful tips. And and Sue, thank you so much for taking the time to share all this with us. We're going to have show notes on all this, but where is the best place for people to find out more about what you're working on? Best and easiest place is stu.me, S-T-U.me. That's the coolest URL. Uh, So... Uh, Stu, thank you. And uh, really appreciate it. I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Great. Thanks, Ari. Appreciate it, buddy. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing podcast. If you want to find out more information of the show, we would love to hear from you. You can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog, see the show notes for this episode, and also look at all the other episodes before this. If you want to send us a voicemail, we'd love to hear from you and we'll play it on the show. You go to lessdoing.com, click on contact, and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a a send voicemail button. Click on that and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Mizell, and mine is at Felix Bird. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.